Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Five truths and one lie about developing high potential leadership development programs. That is the topic for today. And today I'm interviewing Richard Hodge, who has a long career in talent development. He was the founder and CEO of a company called The Real Learning Company. For many years, he served as president of that company. He's also a co-founder of Advantage Performance Group, uh, the company that I am working with right now and the sponsor of this show, full disclosure, But the reason I brought Richard on is because, not because of all the client work he has done over the last three decades, but because of this new research project he has done over the last year with his partner, Jeannie Taylor, about what makes high potential programs successful and where they fall short. And today in this interview, you're going to hear Richard walk through the five truths and the one lie about high potential Uh, leadership development programs. There's some great value in this discussion. So I hope you have a pen and paper ready to take notes. If you don't, if you're driving, that's okay. We'll have some links for you at the end. And they're also in the show notes for this episode where you can go download the white paper uh, behind this research project and this interview, as well as uh, go watch the replay of a couple webinars that have already happened and uh, participate in a couple upcoming webinars that are coming out about the research that Richard and Jeannie did on high potential programs. Uh, But that said, let's get to this interview because I think there's a lot of great value here that you can learn from. And again, uh, you can find more by going to our website. You can go to our podcast website, actually, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. And uh, there you can sign up for our newsletter. You can listen to older episodes. And if you click on the free resources tab in the top right, you can access those white papers on high potential leadership development programs. All right, without any further ado, here is my interview with Richard Hodge about the five truths and a lie about high potential leadership programs. Enjoy. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world and things are changing so fast. It's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. 
That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you are joining me today for an interview with Richard Hodge. Richard, welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. Thanks, Andy. Pleasure is mine for sure. Yeah, so great to have you on. Of course, I've uh, known about you for uh, many years, and we have had the pleasure to work together a little bit over the last year and a half since I joined Advantage Performance Group, and I know you have done a ton of work in the learning space uh, for many years with different companies and interested in getting some of that and most excited about digging into this most recent research project you've been doing on high potential programs uh, because I know you've been talking to a lot of people from a lot of different companies and really starting to understand what's working and what's not working. And so I'm excited to get into that. Before we do, uh, I thought it would be good to share a little bit of your background and how you got to where you are today. Great. So um, it's a long road. It looks disconnected, but it all connects together like all things do in life. Started with a a BS and MBA out of USC uh, in the business world and started with a Fortune 50 company. Right on. From there, exactly. Brothers in arms. Yeah. And moved from there into um, finding opportunities in technology. So I was one of the co-founders of the first company that developed spreadsheet technology many years ago. And that began the journey of of really learning and being in kind of uh, disruptive spaces, worked on technology turnarounds, new technology startups, and all the while really interested in how leaders led and how high performance was developed over time. So I got to that point in my career, in my life, met some interesting folks along that journey and actually co-founded Advantage Performance Group and a sister company called The Real Learning Company. And that led to almost a 20-year journey of uh, working with more than uh, 350 of the top 1,000 corporations around the world on interesting leadership, team, sales, uh, strategy kind of projects along the road. And now, recently, we started this group called the Cultivating Leaders Center of Excellence. It's a nonprofit. We've been partnering with APG and BTS and a number of other companies to actually begin to do some new and different research in, we think, really important areas like high potential development. So just released uh, the white paper recently, Five Truths and a Lie. And um, that's, I guess, in part what we're here to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Just one more question on the background there, because I mean, you glossed over a lot of years and a lot of work. Um, You mentioned you co-founded Advantage Performance Group and the Real Learning Company. Uh, Can you tell me more about what Real Learning was and what type of work you did with companies for for many years? Yes. So uh, the Real Learning Company was uh, 
a company founded uh, to support Advantage Performance Group, but have its own interests and its own agenda. Common ownership, but uh, different paths. We were an IP company, intellectual property, um, and we worked a lot on, uh, on building with companies high-impact learning, particularly experiential learning kinds of programs. So we worked with companies like Toyota, of helping them translate lean thinking out of the factory and get it into the knowledge worker space, built maybe 20 different projects with uh, the University of Toyota, worked with companies like CNET Networks to help bring a whole new generation of leaders on board and help them learn in new and different ways and, and move quickly to uh, new organization structures and, and new ways of operating Worked a lot with um, companies like UPS to actually take their sales force on a global level in 14 different languages into the next generation of selling, value-based selling, customer-centric selling. And in almost all of the work we did, what we brought was learning methodology and capabilities, and then we married that with thought leadership, either ours or research or external partners, and then we also connected that to what best practices were going on inside that culture, because everything is contextual, including leadership and teamwork and high performance. So we, we married those magic three in an experiential way. And as I said, I think we probably built over 500 different learning programs over the years with um, 350 plus companies, companies like American Express and NetApp and Google and Oracle and big pharma companies, Pfizer, et cetera, et cetera. So fun journey, learned a lot and continue to learn. Yeah, no doubt. And I know that um, the company eventually got acquired by BTS where I worked for seven years and I am definitely a disciple of much of the work and research that you did over the years, you know, because I speak all the time about how leadership is highly contextual, right? It's important to understand the, the culture and the strategy of a business and how that impacts what you want your leaders to do, how they act, and that you, know, you can't just put these general competencies out there and expect that everybody's going to act the same way and be successful. So that's impacted so many people and so many businesses, um, all the work you've done there. And now you're doing all this research on you know, high potential leadership programs Tell me how that got started. Actually, everything with us has always started with, with real customers and real practitioners out doing real work. And how do you marry research and develop a deeper understanding around the realities real customers are facing in today's highly competitive global marketplace? So what got us started, particularly Jeannie Taylor and I are the two founders of the Cultivating Leaders Center of Excellence was a number of companies that just weren't satisfied with what was happening with their high potential development programs. They were coming to our partners like you at Advantage, coming in and chatting with uh, our colleagues at BTS. And just in, in various meetings, we were seeing them wanting to innovate, seeing them not having the bench strength they wanted seem too high of a failure rate. And there's quite a bit of recent research popping out that's talking about the problem, not necessarily the practices of, of what you can do to make an impact or how might we innovate going forward, but quite a bit of information out around 
what's not working. So we thought, gee, we need to do some next generational research around this topical area from a practitioner's standpoint. So Gene and I have a number of colleagues like Christine DiDonato, who's doing really important work on, uh, you shared some of her thoughts in a, a recent podcast. Dr. Rob Brinkerhoff is doing some amazing work in these spaces of, of tying learning to the flow of work. Richard Depra, who's just retired from uh, BTS, has been doing some real breakthrough research around how do we assess capability for leaders in this new millennium and next generation. So we've collected a number of practitioners and decided to, as a first phase, Jeannie and I would talk with maybe our target was 50 and we exceeded that a little bit, different companies and the leaders in the talent management space in those companies in one hour interviews. So we have about 600 pages of notes and we conducted uh, 53 one hour interviews with these leaders in kind of a loose, but really open and exploratory way. And from there, it gave us the fodder that we put this first white paper together, which you can find on the Advantage Performance website, as well as some webinars that support the data. And we have a second white paper coming out May 20th about decoding the mystery of high potential. This first one is about five truths and a lie about high potential leadership. Right. And that is also the title of this podcast interview. So I would love to dig into those and give our listeners some uh, real information that they can benefit from and, and put into action. So can we dig into what those five truths and the lie are? We'd love to. That's, that's awesome. That'd be fun. So um, not in any particular order yet, but at the end, I'll talk about where does this lead us and why in our next phases that we've already begun to execute against. But the, um, the first uh, fairly significant truth that we found is that in just a small number of companies, there was a truth there that said, if you define potential well, uh, practically and consistently through all of the levels and across all of the fun- functions, and you find ways to separate potential from performance properly, you can actually identify it, measure it, and therefore develop and assess around it. So what we found there actually is the opposite of that truth is there's a giant gap in the capabilities in corporate America today and in the talent management organizations and then the downstream managers that are involved in in the processes of effectively defining and measuring the potential side. We're really good at measuring performance. We know it when we see it. We have a lot of metrics we've developed in organizations today. Managers manage to that performance. But what all of us know is being able to perform at one level is not a guarantee that you've got the potential to perform at the next level and the level beyond that. So we're replete with uh, great salespeople that have made terrible sales managers and great technology engineers that have made awful engineering managers, et cetera. So this first truth is about the importance and the need to not only define it properly and consistently, but to really focus and separate uh, measuring potential from measuring performance. 
Andy, you probably have experienced this in your journey. We've seen a lot of nine boxes and 12 boxes where they put performance on one axis and potential on the other. And it gets so difficult and so confusing for managers to work through things like that. Those that we put in charge of figuring out what box you might fit in, our point of view is that you need to separate them that you're not going to have somebody with high potential if they're not a performer. Yeah. So the performance axis is really needs to be the first gate that people go through and work through. Are you performing? And then if we're going to put them in a high potential program, actually then separate that and have new and different ways to actually measure more consistently and more deeply what that potential looks like. That's kind of truth number one. Yeah, and that's a, that's such a big one because so many people are operating with that nine box and looking at the the potential employees, you know, for the people in their organization. And you are right. I, you know, I haven't done the extensive research you've had, but I've had dozens and dozens of conversations now with talent leaders, and I think one of the biggest, most common challenges is people who have uh, accelerated and been uh, really successful in a certain role, whether it's sales or product development, whatever it is, then being rewarded with a promotion into management with no experience or training for how to be a manager. And now all of a sudden, everything is different and they're being asked to do something as well as many times still hold a quota or do the other job before. And then it just, you know, that's where things start to really fall apart. And they either need that development or to look at, do they actually have the potential to be a good manager? Are we just promoting them because they're good at this job? Yeah, exactly. And that continues all the way up the chain. Being a great middle manager and connecting all the dots between projects and groups and teams and managing managers in the process doesn't mean you're going to be a good leader at the strategy level, at the the overall disruption that's required at the top to keep you at the tip of the rocket ship, etc. So that was an area that we found really interesting, really really needy. And this is one that we've actually written our second white paper around decoding the mystery of high potential. So I won't get ahead of this here because we're talking about the five truths and a lie. That's right. But more to come on this one. And and we think we found a very practical, pragmatic, and innovative way to define and measure potential. And just to give you a little clue or the, the, the listeners a little clue, one of the tricky parts of this is you need to measure somebody against an increased level of complexity and challenge. You need to mimic that reality they're going to be operating in in the future because they've already mastered or are doing well in the reality and the nature of the job they're in now. And that's why you have to separate these. So using things like like, uh, customized simulations to put them in that higher level role with more challenge and more complexity is one of the ways that uh, in particular, BTS has helped organizations begin to see how somebody might work at that next level. So it requires a a new out-of-the-box approach thinking differently, but we think there's some ways we can really impact that. So more to come, maybe another podcast on. Yeah, we might have to bring you back for another episode on that. And I've certainly seen the benefits of that having designed and developed and facilitated many custom business simulations myself. And you give people an opportunity to practice in a safe environment and you get to see how they act and you give them the opportunity to practice those skills they would be using. For instance, next week, as we record this, I'll be uh, facilitating a simulation for a client 
for all of their high potential uh, executives to help them prepare for those BU president roles and understand how the financials work uh, and all the big decisions that go into running a business unit or a segment. So if anybody's interested in doing something like that, be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk to you about it. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting organizations with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. And we're also proud to be providing tons of great content and inspiration to you and everyone out there during troubled times. You can go to advantageperformance.com to find any of our weekly webinars, insights, white papers, and blogs we've been putting out to help you survive and thrive during challenging times. That website again is advantageperformance.com. And now back to the show. Uh, Richard, let's get into the second truth. Yes, let's do that. The role of senior leadership. A number of the people we interviewed with said, this either makes it or breaks it. They can't just partner in it. It can't be an HR program, no matter how well designed it is, how well facilitated it might be through the process, how much money they put behind it. It really requires the senior leader's involvement. And not just involvement to be the sponsor, but to be the owner, to be actively involved in the process of identifying those with potential at all levels and engaging in that themselves. Um, having that ownership when, the, when they do get the cohorts together to actually be present and be engaged and supported and not just do the formal stand up with the PowerPoint slides and maybe give a little presentation from the top but actually spend some relaxed one-on-one time with individuals and small groups to let them understand your journey as a senior leader and, and, and make it real and make it personal. We, we found in, with a number of companies that when senior leadership gets actively involved and, and begins that process, they frequently, um, it takes like three years for them to go through some cycles to build the the practices, the mindset, and the approach to to really make a huge impact on the individuals and the cohorts going forward. But it's essential. And then I'll just say one other quick little thing, which is which is kind of tied to another truth. But that um, the action learning programs, if they use those capabilities, they have to be identified by senior leadership. They have to be engaged along the journey of the teams and cohorts to do their design and development work on these projects. They have to be present when they're presented and give real, authentic feedback, and they have to be advocated by senior leadership. The the projects that make sense need to be put into play, and the cohorts need to see the fruits of their work and, and see the power of their innovation. So senior leadership plays a key role in the success of these, not just money, not just great designs, but that advocacy and involvement. Yeah, this is so important. Uh, I have seen all kinds of programs, ones where senior leaders are nowhere to be found. And I've seen programs where they are very active. And the, the most successful 
development programs I've been a part of are where senior leaders are there actively as executive sponsors. They're not just up in front of the stage uh, introducing it, but they're talking with the teams, they're interacting, they're supporting, they're coaching. And really, they're not stepping out very much for other things. They're showing that they're really dedicated to the development of the people in the room. Uh, and it makes a big difference. And it's the same thing for, you know, I've talked with people on this podcast about culture and how do you define and how do you align people to a culture. And it starts with having your senior leaders not just talk the talk, but walk the walk and set an example and do what they want other people to do. Because if they just say something or you've got middle managers uh, going, well, yeah, he, he said that, but it's all BS. Let's just get back to what we were doing before. Then nobody changes. Nobody believes it. So it's so important to have that senior leadership involved and supportive and uh, really excited about it in the right mindset, uh, which is going to get people more motivated, those hypos going through, more motivated to uh, engage strongly in the program. Absolutely. And just, just one little footnote there is that what we found the, the most involved senior leaders that were having the biggest impact actually had as part of their personal metrics or goals, things aligned with their involvement in the talent development. So they even had, they, they kept score on themselves and they made it part of their dashboard. All kinds of interesting things they were measuring that we uncovered, but actively, their active involvement was, uh, was, was actually one of the things they tracked and cared about. Truth number three, practical and pragmatic, business results connected to it, key initiatives and strategies, learning in the flow of work. This was one of the areas that came out really loud and clear is that learning for learning's sake just doesn't cut it on lots of levels, that the programs that you build and design, you need to really connect it to the real work that people are engaged in and then doing. And you need to get their plus one manager involved in that process before they go to any learning events along these journeys they're they're participating in in the high pool world. And they need to be connected to actual work after they go through these learning experiences back on the job of what are they going to do different and how are they doing going to use these tools and capabilities and new knowledge and experience. Um, Again, back to the, if done right, the power of the action learning projects that the cohorts go through, that they're learning as much out of applying what they're doing or maybe even more than they are about the new discoveries and the new skills. So that became really loud and clear that, that the organizations getting the biggest impact and doing the best work had these learning journeys and investments integrated into their real work with their real teams, their real managers on real projects, real initiatives, and even the content. We found one company that tuned its uh, hypo journey. Um, they'd been doing a hypo program for five years. And every 18 months, they do an assessment of what are the key strategies that we're deploying in the next 18 months? Where are some of the skill gaps in our leaders to be able to deploy those new strategies? And actually modifying their hypo programs at a content and experience level to include building those new capabilities or skills or focusing on those new behaviors. So really, really practical and pragmatic was the was the call of the day in our research. Another one that is, uh, it, it's so important. It's something that we talk about, I talk about 
all the time on this podcast, probably the most common topic is the importance of connecting learning back to company strategy. If you as a learning development professional, talent development leader, want to be taken seriously, seen as a partner in the business, you've got to think about connecting learning programs to the company strategy so that the business leaders see them as an asset to the business, not just a cost. And it's going to help execute the strategy, accelerate execution of the strategy, further things along. And uh, it's going to get the, the participants to be more excited. And it's going to be easier to get that executive support when they know that it's helping, you know, this program is helping them uh, achieve their goals. Yeah, Andy. And, and, and what we also found is with the new tools of various kinds and new digital technologies that are available to the learning community today, it gives them a handle on data analytics and information that they never had before. Mm. So being able to connect these key goals, key objectives, job level performance, bench strength, uh, readiness, et cetera, et cetera, all across their fronts, being able to uh, gather this data actually enables them then to create connections to real work and measure the impact on it from their investments. So, so this is a whole new world that's opening up for the talent leaders, um, and it's going to give them a seat at the table. But they have to pay attention. It has to get connected, and they have to keep score. So that was another important thing. We found uh, some really interesting areas that people are beginning to track that they never did before and what that enables them to do in both learning design as well as, you know, measurement of uh, business impact. So uh, off to the truth number four. All right. I know we have just a little bit of time here, but um, start early. This is kind of Christine DiDonato's uh, and career revelations point of view, which we found and fully embraced. And it, it's just so logical and, and makes so much common sense is why leave potential on the table? Why not unleash it as early as possible and as broadly as possible? So we even found some organizations, they didn't even like the term hypo because it connotated certain kinds of things from the past. Uh, one leader said, we're an all-po company. We're after everybody's potential. We want to measure it at the time we begin to hire them, and we want to begin to make investments within the first 90 days that they're on the job to get them aligned with the organization, get them in sync with their development interests and needs and what the organization needs and can do. And, and there are scalable approaches and, and opportunities to unleash this potential early and in a, to a broader audience. So that's another thing we found is one of the trends, not all the companies we talked with, but one of the trends of some of the leading companies that were getting business impact were, were actually starting early and dealing with a, a larger audience and, and using various kinds of capabilities, including digital capabilities, to actually scale at that level. So there are opportunities now to learn in different ways that don't necessarily mean take them off the job and have an outside facilitator and run a one-day workshop. Yeah, that is great. I love that idea of having uh, all-po versus hypo so that you really are thinking about developing everybody and not waiting. Uh, so many organizations are waiting. I can't tell you, in the last week or so, I've had conversations with uh, talent professionals, leaders at big, big companies 
who said, uh, one was, we've been working for five years to build this hypo program. We haven't launched it yet. Another one was, um, we have this program. Uh, it's starting soon and it's a year long. And I asked, well, so when is the next one? If someone misses this one and you've got this really great talent, do they have to wait until the next year? Yeah, they have to wait a whole year, but we're starting to get demand. So I think that we need to shift that thinking from this once a year college degree program to this ongoing development. I love that. And um, you mentioned Christine DiDonato a couple of times for everybody not familiar with her. She's former head of talent development at Sony Electronics, uh, has her own company now called Career Revolution. She's a partner of ours. And she was episode 16 of the Talent Development Hot Seat back uh, in July 2018. So it's been quite a while. But if you want to dig back, that was a great interview about developing a new generation of talent. Uh, and she is so fantastic with that stuff. She really is. And, and one of the things we're doing, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, is at the, the Center of Excellence we've started, our nonprofit here, we're working with some really smart people like Christine and, and Rob Brinkerhoff and, and others uh, in the process here. So we we hope to, to share information back and forth and do some joint research to, together, et cetera. But we believe she's on the right track and it resonates really well with what we uncovered during our first phase of research. So um, truth number five, drum rolls come up. And this truth is, it's, it's really important to, to help leaders see how they show up in their hypo programs. So there's lots of ways that we can do this um, in the process. But uh, what we found, the most successful programs had various points where they were using anything from 360s to interviews to 180s to outside assessors watching them in action uh, as they go through a simulation, how they engaged others in the process. Again, multiple ways to get there, but it's important that they, they know who they are and they see how they show up. In this world where authenticity matters, where we, we look around our outside institutions and we have big question marks in our head about what's going on and, and who can you trust and fake news and all the rest, people in organizations, it's a big part of their life when you join a company, uh, the amount of time that you spend as a professional and they want to be able to trust, and the leaders need to know how they're seen and need to have congruence between how they see themselves and how they're seen by others. So that was, that was one of the truths. An interesting point, I went to a Josh Burson conference a couple weeks ago, uh, and he shared some data, not from his research, but somebody else's, and it was about trust. And it was a fairly new survey that just got got um, published, and it had three buckets. It said, do you trust the institutions that you work with and support us in your world today? And this was a, a U.S. population. And the answer was 42% of the people trust the institutions. So they think the game is sort of rigged against them in various ways. And then it said, do you trust your politicians and the political process? 38% of the people trust uh, who our leaders are and what they say, and is it honest and genuine, and can they count on it, and is it consistent and reliable? And then they they asked the third question of, do you trust the leadership in the in the companies that you work for? 
73% trust the leadership in the companies that they work for. This is a, a last frontier, and maybe it's the first frontier because we're so involved with it and engaged in it. But leaders need to be authentic. Leaders need to really be consistent with what they do and how they deliver it. And you have to earn that trust every single day. So this was another interesting truth of of the best programs are finding multiple ways on the learning journey of their hypo journey to actually help them become a more authentic leader and be able to see how they show up. I, I love that because I'm finding as a you know facilitator, um, developer, I, uh, a coach, and someone who's been on my own journey of personal development and helping other people that we often do not see our own strengths or weaknesses until we get feedback or encouragement from others. And so it's great to have that opportunity to practice, to try things, to get observed and obsessed and um, to get that feedback that, hey, you know, Richard, you are really good at taking, you know, a bunch of research and disseminating into something that we can, you know, communicate to people. And so it might be useful for you to do more of that. And if you enjoy it, or on the other side is, you know, hey, you worked on this project, you struggle with this, you want to work on getting better at that, or do you want to maybe do something else? And then this importance of authenticity and leadership. I've talked about that a lot more recently. I think it's part of my own personal philosophy on uh, leadership in the 21st century, 2019 and going further. I think authenticity is so important. People want to be able to connect with their leaders, to know that they're real people. It's okay to be vulnerable, to be authentic. I think transparency is so important for companies and leaders these days. If you're trying to hide something or be something you're not, people are going to find out. You can't hide things like you used to be able to in the old days. And uh, people want to know you're real yes. and that you're telling them the truth. Because like you said, there's so much fake news out there. They're tired of you know what's going on in politics. I want to know that my manager and the CEO of the company is being real with me, telling me what's really going on um, so I can make decisions in my life based on that. And I think it's so important. Right on, Andy. Now to the lie. The lie. Speaking, speaking of being honest, <laughs> tell us the lie <laughs> of high potential leadership programs. The lie was, the more you spend on your program, the bigger impact you're going to get. And it was an absolute, I wouldn't say it was a negative correlation, but we found some programs that were spending as much as $50,000 on individuals, sending them off to really expensive university programs and very expensive team experiences and activities, et cetera, et cetera. They just didn't line up with those other points. They, they, they weren't connected to the work. Senior leadership wasn't involved with them. There was no determination of, of how they performed relative to uh, those programs and investments to be able to see how they're doing on their, their potential journey and their own growth and their own readiness. And they found that um, even in some interviews, in one of them, we found that uh, gee, this was great for my resume, and I got a cool certificate out of it, but I don't see any place in my job where I've actually changed the way I've worked or or how I've done things different. So, so money doesn't fix it. Ha- having money is great, and being able to spend on the right kinds of things is important, money and time. But if we don't leverage those other truths, the lie here is that the more you spend, the bigger impact you'll get. It just isn't real. Yeah, you know, it's sad for me to hear that as someone who uh, sells, you know, and runs training and development as part of my business. And I and I'd love for you to come 
spend more money on more programs. But the truth of the matter is, and I've been big on this since the beginning, is like it has to be applicable. You have to be focused on getting results, not just spend money to spend money's sake. And uh, I'm glad you're exposing that and opening people's eyes there. And there's ways that that we're working with other practitioners. There's ways that that you already have in your business um, and others have done some really great work on doing things like creating a line of sight between the group or the organization objectives, the key behaviors that are needed, the skills to drive them with your work in things like, like the advantage way and high impact mapping and those sorts of activities. So um, I know your investments uh, are connected to strategies and methods that, that produce business impact. But we see a lot of programs run that are just kind of you ask the person, well, why are you there? What's, what do you hope to get out of it? What's going on? And the answer that you get is, well, you know, I was told to show up at nine o'clock and go to this training program. No, it, training programs individually and in, them, in and of themselves don't, aren't a magic bullet. Plus, you know, one of the things that, that you and, and us and, um, and the people we interviewed are really experimenting with is uh, creating learning journeys as opposed to learning events. So I'll just say that as they take budgets and think about allocating them and, and, and applying them, there's ways they can do it that, that you can help them with and, and our research is going forward on that will create a significantly different business impact. Yeah, absolutely. Don't throw your money away on things just because it looks good or, you know, the leader wants you to spend money, uh, a bunch of money on leaders. Make sure it's something that connects back to company strategy, that there's a way to measure it, that there, you're going to get results. You're working with someone who's going to get you results and is focused on helping you get results and, and specifically developing the people in a way that you want them to be developed. And uh, of course, I'm all for that. And there's plenty of people out there uh, are all for that. And I am uh, grateful that we've had a chance to talk with you today, Richard, to share uh, these five truths and a lie. And I guess we'll have to get you back on to share information from the next white paper. But for now, for people listening, you know, a lot of people are driving in their car uh, and they're not able to really take notes or uh, you know, they want to go back through this. Uh, where can they go to access uh, the white paper and maybe even see the webinar? Yeah, they, they if they... Head to advantageperformancegroup.com and just scroll down on the first page. They'll see that there's a learning journey there. And it has a number of elements, Andy. It's got a webinar on the five truths and a lie. It has five short videos. It has five small self-assessments they can do on their organization. And then it has an activator playbook that gives them three to four concrete ideas they could execute against with their own company culture and wherever the current state of their program. So it's not just content, it's actionable stuff. The second white paper on May 20th will be launched there, the decoding white paper. There's also another webinar coming, which is about decoding high potential. So um, that's going to be an interesting, fun one that gets a little bit more into uh, the how-to, this is a little bit more, or the five truths was a little bit more about what did we find, but you'll find on that website, you know, some, some good support tools on how to um, actually assess yourself as well as execute some practical, pragmatic new ideas. 
Oh, that's great. Okay, so again, go to advantageperformance.com. And if you scroll down, uh, you'll see the few different free learning journeys we have. But near the bottom on the left side, there is a green box about uh, the hypo research that you've done. You can also, if you go to advantageperformance.com and uh, click on the link at the top that says free resources, the top option is develop high potential leaders. Uh, you can also get that by going to our podcast website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. And uh, you can find information on the podcast, sign up for our newsletter. Uh, and you can also uh, click on that free resources button and it'll be there. And I also wanted to mention before we go that you mentioned you went to a conference recently and heard Josh Burson speak about some of his latest research and um, the, the truth there about uh, the importance of authenticity and trust. Uh, Josh Burson is definitely at the forefront of talent development research and trends and what's going on. And we're lucky to have him speaking at our conference, the Talent Development Think Tank, uh, that's coming up November 6th and 7th in Sonoma. So if you haven't heard, go check it out. We have uh, some great speakers lined up. Liz Weissman, Josh Burson, Julie Winkle Giulioni, who's been on this podcast, and Michael Bungay Stanier. Uh, just join the lineup as well. So it's a fantastic lineup of speakers, a lot of great activities. We're going to put these things in action and interact and learn from each other and maybe talk about some of these truths and how you're putting them into practice in your own organization. Uh, you can get tickets to that at tdtt.us. And Richard, for anybody listening who wants to get in touch with you, maybe ask some more questions uh, in addition to going and downloading the white paper and, and watching the webinar, uh, what's the best way for them to connect with you? I'd really like to offer two levels here. The first one is uh, um, maybe the easiest is my Advantage Performance uh, website. So uh, that one is rhodge at advantageperformance.com. Okay. Uh, and I would also very happily encourage any kind of conversations um, that anybody would like to engage in. So give me a call at 602-317-5406. That's my cell. It's with me all the time, like all of you and everyone else. And um, thanks for listening. Appreciate the, the opportunity to share what we're discovering. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate the time and, and sharing this great research. Uh, it's been interesting to me, and I know it's been valuable to our listeners. So thank you again for coming on the Talent Development Hot Seat. Pleasure is mine. All right, take care. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible. And we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.